the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is going to be a well-regulated show. You know, like a well-regulated militia, like the one in the Second Amendment. Every time we get into a major national argument about the Second Amendment, I get annoyed when the people who argue there is no individual right to arms refer to the opening line, which says, a well-regulated militia. Uh, Democrats and liberals love government regulation, so they get excited when they see that word. But what's annoying is that they are either too dumb or too dishonest, I guess, or both, to recognize that back then, when that was written, the word regulated meant something completely different from what they would like it to mean. Now, I have a closet full of history books, um, most of them biographies, some of them with really lots of pages and small print. So they're like real books, you know. Most of them are biographies of the founders and other important people from that era. And I've come across multiple examples of how that word was used back then, and it's something I've been thinking about for years since I started noticing it. And, he, and I, of course, I think about it more when this argument comes up, as I said. Well, John Paul Jones, for example, I, I read a book about him. He's the father of the American Navy. And I remember, uh, and he spent some time with the Russian Navy. And I remember uh, reading in a letter that he wrote home, he mentioned that the Russian Navy was well-regulated. That means well-equipped, well-drilled, nothing to do with government regulation. In a biography of James Madison, uh, there was a description of a dinner served by his wife, Dolly. And the guest was writing to uh, someone to describe, you know, the, the experience of having had dinner at the White House. And she said that the dinner was served with great regularity. And that meant the courses were delivered at the proper time, proper utensils were used, it had nothing to do with the federal government regulating Dolly's dinners. So I found some other examples over the weekend when I, I, I was just looking this up because those were just examples that I came across myself. Anyway, here's a description of the Huntsville, Alabama Fire Department. It was written in 1822. Someone named Ann Newport Royal was writing about Huntsville. She said Huntsville was becoming quite civilized and prosperous with a, quote, fine fire engine, unquote, and a, quote, well-regulated company, unquote. That meant, again, well-equipped and well-drilled, nothing to do with government regulation. It's in thousands of writings from that era, including references to well-regulated persons, meaning people who acted properly. So the anti-individual right-to-own people need to come up with a new argument. Or maybe they can try Google and find what I found. It's pretty easy. Meanwhile, coming up after the break, uh, we'll have an expert on the Second Amendment here to talk about what a bad idea red flag laws are and some of the misleading statistics that are being thrown around now. And in our second half hour, the author of a book called Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. Stick around. Today, the majority of children have already been exposed to pornography by age 11. Even though most of this is accidental, this exposure can have disastrous consequences for their mental health and future well-being. If you want to protect your child and set them up to have healthy relationships, you need Canopy. Canopy is the most effective technology on the planet for blocking pornography. Canopy's app uses artificial intelligence to identify and filter explicit content on every website. It can do this in milliseconds and is 99.9% accurate. While other apps block entire pages, Canopy is the only tool that filters within websites, plucking out explicit images and videos before they appear. Its image scanning technology also prevents users from taking and sending sexts. The Internet is awash in pornography, but your kids don't have to see it. Head on over to canopy.us forward slash protect to start your 30-day free trial. Enter the promo code PROTECT and get 15% off the regular price for life. Windows are us. You've tried the rest, now try the best. 
When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsrustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsrustpittsburgh.com. Windows Your spouse has said your marriage is over, and they're ready to walk out the door. So where does that leave you? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Bean, founder of Marriage Helper. We've helped thousands of couples in this exact situation. We want to share with you the things you can do right now to start turning this crisis around. If you're somebody who's lying in bed, sobbing yourself to sleep because your husband has left you or walked out on you or your wife has left you and you think, oh, well, this is it now. It's not it. There is hope. We're going to teach you the three things you need to start doing immediately to get your spouse back. If your marriage is in crisis, you're not going to want to miss this special Save My Marriage event happening on lovestories.com. Visit lovestories.com for the free Save My Marriage mini course happening right now on lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and start getting cash back in every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an extra $0.25 per gallon cash back in your first fill-up. That's promo code SALEM. Remember, use promo code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. The word around town is that Pittsburgh homeowners are choosing doing it right when it comes to their roofing, siding, and remodeling projects. That's because since 1984, doing it right roofing, siding, remodeling continues to set the bar through clear communication and an installation that's second to none. Doing it right employs only the most experienced professionals to install and oversee your project. They'll stop at nothing to ensure your satisfaction, doing business honestly, taking no money down, and no payment until the job is complete. Doing it right will ensure all work is installed to the industry's highest standards, then back it all up with their lifetime workmanship warranty. As a prestigious multi-award winning Owens Corning Platinum Contractor, as well as a VSI Certified Installation Contractor, you can't go wrong with doing it right. Mention Dennis Prager for a discount off your estimate. Call 724-NEW-ROOF for a free project evaluation or visit at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, you got to give the Democrats credit. They keep coming up with ways to get around the Second Amendment. Uh, Donald Beyer, he's a congressman from Virginia, is now threatening to introduce a 1,000% tax on assault weapons that he says is uh, going to be only going to take 50 votes in the Senate. There's been quite a bit of discussion about sensible gun laws uh, over the last couple of years, but especially the last few weeks. Maybe even some uh, that Republicans would go along with, including red flag laws. Amy Schwerer is a legal fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation, and we'd like to have her on to talk about Second Amendment issues. She's back on today. Thanks for coming on, Amy. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So are red flag laws uh, just another example of do something that sounds uh, that, 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 you know, that is, is doing something but not really doing any good? Well, yes and no. Right. So, uh, you know, unlike a lot of other laws that, that get put out there, you know, red flag laws start with this, this 
kernel of, you know, a, a good idea. You know, it, it recognizes that there is a legitimate problem, especially when it comes to mass public shooters uh, and frankly to a lot of people who, who commit suicide with firearms as well, uh, that, you know, they, they, despite showing very serious signs of being a danger to themselves or others, they haven't yet reached, you know, thresholds where you know, they, they have committed a felony or can be involuntarily committed to an inpatient mental health facility. Um, and so under federal law, you know, they can legally purchase and possess guns. And, and that has been overwhelmingly the, the problem with mass shooters, that they are buying these guns legally, despite everyone sitting there, you know, nicknaming them would be mass shooter and saying, oh, yeah, no one is surprised that he did that. Um, so it, it tries to sort of find this intermediate approach to, you know, temporarily, you know, identify these people who are showing very clear signs of being dangerous. Um, it should, you know, afford them all sorts of due process measures, um, temporarily disarm them, but with a goal of, get, you know, getting them help, not just disarming them, but getting them help. Um, but unfortunately, what we've seen in practice is that it's not living up to its theory that when states uh, ha have enacted these, and I, I think as we are about to see with federal bills that come out of this, um, they're not living up to due process standards. They're watering down that due process. Um, you know, they, they are not involving adequate, you know, policy considerations um, because they should be very comprehensive. They should think through things like, you know, detailed analysis of you know, how guns get taken away, how they get stored, how you notify people about getting them back, how you get them integrated into mental health services, for example. Um, and those things just have not, in reality, been in these bills. Um, you know, you, you look at the states that have enacted them. Yes. Some are far better than others, but, you know, across the board, they're batting triple zeros. Um, you know, maybe some foul tips, uh, but, but no hits uh, on any of these yet. And, and so that is the fear in practice. Okay, when you say that they're not effective or they don't pass muster, um, is that a subjective thing or, or is that a legal thing? You know, as, I mean, like you may, maybe someone would disagree with you and say, wait a minute, these have been pretty effective. You, you just don't like any restrictions on the Second Amendment. Well, no, let, let, me, let me give you some examples of this, right? So a, a lot of these bills uh, will allow what are known as ex parte orders. That, that is, in uh, order to take away someone's guns in a hearing where that person is not notified of the hearing, uh, where they do not have a chance to defend themselves, where it is a one-sided hearing, um, and the first that the accused person hears of it is when the cops show up to say, yep, sorry, we're taking your guns. Um, now, under most circumstances, you say, okay, that should be limited to the most extreme measures, right? Like there is ample evidence that this individual is plotting to shoot up a school tomorrow and we need to do something, right? Or he is threatening to run around and kill his ex this week, that, that sort of thing. They watered it down in so many of these states to reasonable cause. That is such a low bar that basically anybody with any semblance of a coherent story saying that this person may or may not have made a threat gets to go into a one-sided hearing, portray that threat, and then have that individual's firearms taken away. Um, now, whether or not you think that is a good idea, that is an abhorrently low level of due process for a fundamentally for a fundamental constitutional right being taken away. Um, now, again, I think in theory those things are, are fixable. I think there is a way of framing those laws um, that that would be much closer to how we treat other fundamental constitutional rights. Um, but again, in practice, that is an incredibly low and concerning bar. Yeah, and if you live in an apartment with thin walls and your next door neighbor is someone, uh, a guy who does a lot of screaming and throwing things around uh, and yelling at his wife and threatening her and saying, you know, the thing, kind of things that you might find in a domestic situation that doesn't actually reach the level of a crime, someone could contact somebody and say, you know, I don't know if my next door neighbor at my apartment here has a gun, but I sure hope he doesn't. Should we check on that? Because he has a really bad temper and he makes threats. Right. Well, you know, and I, and I think sort of the, the, the quintessential concern is, is something, you know, along the lines of, let's say you've just gone through a breakup and your ex is mad at you and says, oh, well, you know, he or she threatened to, to, to do me harm. And they have no evidence of that, but, you know, because it's, it's this ex parte reasonable cause bar, again, as long as they have a coherent story, that's largely under a lot of these laws 
probably sufficient to, to have someone have their firearms taken away, and then they have to go through the whole process of having a full-fledged hearing, um, you know, but before they get those firearms back. Um, and it's the same thing with sort of, you know, comprehensive, even just basic things, like ensuring that there is some method of getting dangerous people hooked up to treatment, that they have some way of, of you know, identifying um, you know, not just that someone is dangerous, but here's how we make you whole so that we can give you your rights back. And I, and I think that has been lost in so many of these states um, that, that make, you know, very little, if any, effort uh, to, to do anything more than just disarm people and say, oh, well, we've lost our hands at that. Good work, everybody. Well, congratulations. You still have a dangerous person who just currently does not have a firearm. Um, and that's, that's, again, it's problematic. It's not how we do good public policy. Yeah, so getting rid of the gun is only half the problem. You got to make sure the guys, uh, still, the people are still protected from him running them over with his car or stabbing them or some other, you know, poisoning them. There's a lot of ways to kill people. Uh, well, and also just from a standpoint of human flourishing, you should want people to not be dangerous, regardless of whether they have right. you know, dangerous things with them. Now, could any of the red flag laws that exist? Now, um, could any of them have prevented the shooting in Buffalo or Texas? Well, and here's sort of the other component of that, right? New York has a red flag law. Do I, do I personally think it is very watered down and they should work on many of those due, due process components? Absolutely. But they have one. It exists. What we saw in Buffalo was a breakdown, a failure of not, not the red flag law system in and of itself, but a, a failure to actually use it when it should have been used. Um, and this is, I mean, this should floor everybody. You, you have an individual in Buffalo who just months before was uh, hospitalized, made to do a, a mental health evaluation because he was threatening to kill himself and, and shoot up his school at graduation. Anybody who, anybody with any sort of reasonable mindset should look at that and say, yeah, you know, that that is probably someone who would fit under New York's red flag law. We should probably prevent him from keeping and possessing firearms, you know, until he has gotten some help under our existing laws. Uh, but unfortunately, that did not happen. Um, and again, you know, I, I think that speaks to a, a larger component, which is even if you have these laws and they are, you know, written in a, a constitutionally palatable way, they have to be utilized. And if they're not utilized, you know, if people aren't actually um, going out to, to, you know, make sure that, that they're effective in their use, then it really doesn't matter anyway. Um, and so it's, you know, it's not just that they're properly written, but that when they're properly written, they are properly utilized as well. What about the fear that um, that the red flag law just gives a little bit of an opening that could be turned into a gigantic big hole for the government to come through uh, when it comes to taking people's uh, guns away or, or violating their Second Amendment rights, that you don't want to let them just get their foot in the door with something like this. Right. You know, and, and that's, again, I, I'm glad you brought this up because that's one of the, the, the core components that people are, I think, rightfully afraid of. And why so many of these laws, as they are written, are concerning, because they need to be written in such a way that, you know, it's clear what constitutes a threat and what doesn't, so that you don't have, you know, some some neighborly interpersonal dispute where your neighbor doesn't like your MAGA sign outside, you know, and doesn't like that you have an NRA sticker on your, your bumper and says, oh, well, this guy is in imminent threat to danger because he owns guns and, you know, voted for Donald Trump, um, and then, you know, misconstrues anything you've ever done to now be a that and you find one judge somewhere who believes that um, they need, you know, again, this is part of that due process component that it, it clearly defines what is and is not a threat, what does and does not reach that threshold of, you know, being a threatening behavior. Um, and again, it's, it's one of the things that has been so sorely lacking in many of these laws as they actually exist on the books. Um, now, I'm sure Democrats, as you mentioned, uh, they would love to have a, a national red flag law. Um, how far away from that would we be if more states decide that this is a good idea, especially maybe a red state or two? Well, you know, if by federal red flag law they mean, um, you know, where you can go to federal court and file 
a red flag law in federal court, I think that something like that would run into serious constitutional problems. The federal government, uh, you know, is, is not like states where they have some general police power. There's a reason where if you want a restraining order right now, you, you don't go to federal court. Um, you know, you, you go to your, your state or, lo- or local court because that's where constitutionally the power is. Um, but I think the bigger fear is, is you know, what are we going to see in terms of the federal government uh, essentially bribing states to adopt some sort of bare minimum red flag law framework? And, I, and again, I think the fear is, look, the 20 plus you know, laws that are on the books in states fail to live up to what I, I think most people would rightfully want to see in a red flag law in terms of those constitutional protections. Um, anything that we've seen come out of Congress thus far, including the Biden administration's model red flag law, has been just horrifically devoid of adequate due process. And that is not the type of thing that you want to say, hey, states, we'll give you a lot of money if you just copy and paste this into your own legal codes. Um, because let's be real, like, you know, most states are going to do that. They're not going to try to flesh it out and make it better. They're going to say, all right, well, you told us we can do this and get money. So we've copied and pasted it. And, and that's a very, very real fear from that aspect of a quote unquote federal red flag law. We're talking to Amy Schwer. We have a few minutes left here. A legal fellow for legal and judicial studies at the Heritage Foundation. Amy, where do you see the proposal for a 1000 percent tax on certain guns going. This guy from Virginia has come up with that idea. Um, so I, I have not seen it, but it doesn't shock me because there, you know, you, you hear similar proposals from, from various gun control advocates all the time. Um, I, I mean, look, could you imagine if, you know, someone said, look, child porn is bad. Uh, so we are now going to put a thousand percent tax on your Internet bill to punish you if you would like to use the Internet for the wrongdoings of other people who use the internet in bad ways. We would rightfully scream, like, how dare you? That is an infringement on our First Amendment rights. You know, same thing. You know, your, your tax on your newspaper is now a thousand percent because, you know, the, the newspaper might commit libel or, you know, publish fake news. This is, a, it's absurd. Um, it is clearly an end run around the Constitution to, you know, put this huge financial burden on anybody who wants to exercise their constitutional right. Um, I, I don't think it goes anywhere, but if it does, it screams unconstitutional on its face. And frankly, the best thing he can do is go around saying, yes, we would like to tax the living daylights out of this so that you specifically, individual law-abiding citizen, cannot use it. Yeah. Um, you know, just say the quiet part out loud, please. Yeah, and you could put a thousand percent tax on meat because meat is bad for the environment. You know, people eating meat is bad. You could put it on anything you want. It's just it's insane. But this guy was a, somebody actually voted for this person who proposed this. So um, I got a, real quick here. I got about a minute and a half. Something I noticed. I want to see if you noticed it, and I've been noticing it the last uh, ten days, maybe. The media and the Democrats are now referring to the. Routine weekly shootings that we've seen in major cities for years now. They're calling them now mass shootings. They never did that before. They've, they've referred to it as gun violence. There's a, there was a big uh, a bunch of shootings in Philadelphia over the weekend. And all the, every story I've seen says mayor is upset about mass shootings. They were never referred to mass shootings until this these last two incidents in Buffalo and Texas, and now it's it's every if you look at them, there every one has that phrase in there: mass shooting. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's it's becoming it's it's the same thing with you know someone will say school shooting, and it means any time a gun was fired within a mile of a school at any point at any time, regardless of whether a student was anywhere close to it. Uh, the entire point of this is to water down these definitions. Um, that, you know, people have a common conception of what that means. And if you water down the definition enough and then you don't explain that to people and you just say, oh, you know, there's been 100 million mass shootings and you don't you know, tell them that you're counting a mass shooting as any time a gun is fired, you know, they, that you've watered it down to have no meaning whatsoever um, from, a, from a public policy perspective. The only point is to intentionally mislead people to, to, into thinking that they're going to go out to Walmart and there's, you know, a 50% chance that they're going to be in some you know, mass public shooting like we saw in Buffalo um, when that's not the case at all. Um, you know, are these still problematic? Is this still gun violence that we should deal with? You know, are these still tragedies? Absolutely. But their causes and their effects are different. They have different underlying causes. 
Um, and they are certainly not the type of I mean, that is that is why mass public shootings uh, hit at our core, because they are so random. You know, there's nothing associated with them other than I went out to Walmart and got shot today. And that's not how the bulk of gun violence works. And to try to convince people otherwise by watering down that definition, um, it's frankly, how dare you? How dare you terrify people in that capacity, uh, you know, into thinking that everything is a mass shooting just for political purposes? It's, uh, it's, it's pretty obvious, and I just wonder how many more people are going to point it out. I really appreciate you coming on, Amy. I, I know you had a busy day today, and you took some time out to come on with us. I always appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay, that's Amy Schwerer, and you can find her at the Daily Signal at the Heritage Foundation. So uh, we always appreciate having her on. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Joint Chief of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley says Ukraine is in a tough situation, but the U.S. will keep up military support. Right now, there's a very, very significant battle going on in the Donbass. But uh, Kyiv was uh, protected and successfully defended against. Uh, The Russians had to shift their forces to the south in the Donbass. And we'll see how this plays out. But I I think that the United States uh, and the allied countries are providing a significant amount of support to Ukraine. And that will continue. Milley spoke in the American Cemetery of Colville Samir, overlooking Omaha Beach, as he commemorated the 78th anniversary of D-Day. On Wall Street, it's been up and down. The Dow currently is off eight points, but the Nasdaq is ahead 28. This is SRN News. About to compare a pepper shaker to a cash-out refinance. Hang with me. You know when you're at a restaurant and they ask, would you like some fresh ground pepper? And then they crank that giant tube, but almost nothing comes out? For me, only a certain amount of time is socially acceptable to wait. I know that getting that pepper out might make my life better, but it just seems too impossible. And that's what we hear people say about the cash out refinance. People realize that the value of their home has gone up like hot pepper the last few years, leaving all this extra money sitting inside their home. But is it too hard to get out? It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. If you're interested in cashing out the extra pepper in your home, we're good at doing all the work while you just sit back and relax. And often, your mortgage payment and years in the loan will stay the same. If you'd like to hear about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Federal Corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. AM 1250, The Answer. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt on The Next Hugh Hewitt Show. It's election day in California, so I'm going to be joined by the next controller of California, Lon He Chen, and the next attorney general of California, Nathan Hockman, all as we try and get the California Golden State vote out and up. Go and vote, not more than once, California, for Lon He Chen and Nathan Hockman as we discuss on The Next Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt, weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250. The answer. United We Pledge has partnered with Balance of Nature to help ensure traditional American freedoms exist for us and for future generations. United We Pledge is raising money to build an American Village West campus that will house replicas of key historic buildings and realistic portrayals of the men and women who helped shape this nation. This village will provide educational experiences for youth and families. To raise funds and bring awareness to this project, world record-holding endurance athlete Tom Jones is running 76 consecutive marathons from the original American Village in Alabama to the future home of the American Village West in Washington County, Utah. He will be powered by Balance of Nature Fruits and Veggies. Balance of Nature is proud to provide fruits and veggies in a Patriot Pack for a limited time to support this effort. A portion of the proceeds from each Patriot Pack will go directly to United We Pledge to help build this project. Use promo code VILLAGE to receive 35% off your first preferred order. Go to buypatriotpack.com to start your pledge to help preserve the freedoms we value. Summer is almost here and the open road awaits. This is John Stoggerwald and Pitt Cycles has what you're looking for. Choose from a huge selection of 136 models from Indian, Triumph, KTM, Royal Enfield, and more. Plus, some big exciting changes coming just around the bend. Get your trade in value in seconds at pitcycles.com and see just how easy it is to take your ride to a whole new level. Pit Cycles in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. Reserve now and beat the rush at pitcycles.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. 
Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Jamming on 28 outbound from Etna to the Highland Park Bridge, checking for a report of a crash in that stretch. Parkway East outbound jams from Oakland to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, inbound 2nd Avenue into the Fort Pitt Bridge. Heavy on the Parkway West inbound going past Route 30, then your slow Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound Parkway West is heavy right around Green Tree. Crosstown Boulevard inbound, that's slowing from Bigelow Boulevard to the Liberty Bridge. And the Fort Keene Bridge inbound, that is heavy the length. No crashes or crews to report in that stretch. That's a look at traffic. I'm Brandon Joseph. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Considerable clouds expected for tonight with occasional rain and a thunderstorm towards dawn. We'll see a nighttime low of 63. Periods of rain and a thunderstorm tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 72. Tomorrow night, an evening thunderstorm, otherwise mostly cloudy skies with a low of 60. Wednesday will be partly sunny. We'll reach a high Wednesday of 77. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, inflation is uh, like the weather. Everybody talks about it, but nobody ever does anything about it. Uh, you might have noticed that inflation has become a little bit of a problem since Joe Biden and the Democrats took control in Washington. So what can be done about it? Steve Forbes, Nathan Lewis, and Elizabeth Ames co-authored a new book. It's just coming out. It's called Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. And Nathan Lewis joins us now. Thanks for coming on, Nathan. Hello. Good to be here. So um, let's start with uh, what is inflation? I mean, we hear about it all the time. I think people have an idea what it means, but what is it? Well, that is actually one of the source of our difficulties. Inflation is this word that kind of arises from popular speech, and it's become this, this grab bag of all kinds of various macroeconomic processes, which are actually quite distinct. And in our book, we try to kind of separate this in people's minds a little bit. And our first uh, separation is to split, split apart what we call non-monetary factors. And this is all the supply-demand factors. And we know that there have been supply chain issues and all these things and empty store shelves. And those are real. And then there's monetary factors. And this has nothing to do with supply and demand for individual goods. Uh, and it's really just a central bank. And it's pretty easy to understand. Uh, we have floating fiat currencies. Their values are not stable. Their long-term tendency is to decline, and we had another decline in currency value as a result of COVID and, and the central bank response. And when the currency declines in value, eventually prices adjust and it takes more currency to buy things. So now we're having both those things happen at the same time and producing some of the highest uh, consumer price index numbers uh, since the 1980s. So anybody who's been around for a while knows that a dollar buys you less now than it did in the past. Um, and... Um, there's a thing on, you can, people should check this out. It's called the inflation calculator. It's pretty interesting. I use it all the time. Go online and find it. Just go to Google inflation calculator. But, uh, so I just looked it up and, uh, a, in a, a 20, 2022 dollar in 1972 would be worth 14 cents. Now I had a job, I was just getting out of college in 1972 and I got a job selling cable TV door to door. It was a really good job. I made $250 a week. Now, according to this, that would be the equivalent right now of making about $80,000 a year as a door-to-door cable TV salesman. Something's crazy about that. It shouldn't be that way. That, 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 the, 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 I mean, how did we get to the point where the dollar in 50 years loses 85% of its value? I guess it's a long way of asking the question. That is a good question to ask, and every American should ask this question. What the heck is going on here? Is, is this always been the case? And the answer is no, it hasn't always been the case. The United States used to have a stable value policy for its money. The money didn't change value. And the way this was accomplished in the real world was the value of the dollar was linked to gold. The gold standard era ended in 1971. And as and it wasn't just the United States. All the major countries did this. And over the long term, uh, currencies maintained their value. And as long as we stuck to that principle over nearly two centuries, we never had an inflation problem in the United States. And then something changed. 1971, we left that system, not because it wasn't working. 1960s was a great decade, but because basically Richard Nixon wanted to get reelected in 1972. And we began the floating fiat currency system. And uh, over that time, uh, the dollar's value, the long-term effect of that over 50 years has been a substantial decline in the value of the dollar. I actually, I actually think it, it's more than the CPI 
the official CPI, which is kind of monkeyed by the government, indicates, I think it's actually more like 50 to 1. Um, and you see this in things, in some things like oil prices, right? A barrel of oil cost three bucks in the 1960s, and now it's up over, it's 120, that's almost 51. Um, and that's something we have to, we have to understand as part of our environment today. It shouldn't be that way. It wasn't that way in the past, but it is that way for right now. And it, it is not a continuous process, but from time to time, something happens like COVID. There's a central bank response, basically money creation, lower interest rates, one thing or another, or higher unemployment. And the currency, our dollar, takes another step down in value. And, that's, and that is what happened. And I think we're getting into a situation where that sort of long, slow, moderate decline could become a lot more acute if we get into the habit of basically printing money to fund the government, which is something that's become increasingly popular these days. So uh, if, if <laughs> the, the value has decreased 86%, According to this, uh, in 50 years, the dollar now is worth 14 cents, the, the, the uh, 1972 dollar. Um, so um, how, how does uh, – the people seem – as you mentioned, people just seem to accept gradual inflation as a fact of life. Uh, but so it really, uh, Nathan, anybody who's alive now – just assumes that well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm making a hundred bucks a week now, but ten years from now it'll be like fifty, and people just think that's what's supposed to happen, right? Well, they lived all their lives, unless you you know were an adult in the sixties and and understand a different environment. And those people are retiring or getting beyond retiring now. Uh, you never really experienced much difference in your lifetime. And I want to say, if, if you look around the world, if you think about this, if you look around the world that has been worse off the United States, where it has, there has been more currency, tendency for currencies to decline than the United States, basically, if you look at Latin America, yeah. uh, what you notice is, is their economies do worse. The people with the worst currencies have the worst economies. And uh, yeah, you could say yeah, Venezuela, but that's so. But think about Mexico. And we, we have this example in the book. In 1990s, you can get three uh, a Mexican three Mexican pesos would buy a dollar. Today, mm-hmm. it's about 20. So it takes six times more pesos to buy a dollar today. Well, guess what happened to prices in Mexico, right? It went up you know, six mm-hmm. times more than prices went up in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and guess what happened to the Mexican economy? Well, you know, it's kind of stagnant, right? China got rich. Korea got rich. Uh, other places got rich. Even Chile, as, as a positive example, Latin America... Mexico is kind of like the United States. It's kind of, you know, cheap and fun. They have good beer and, and good tacos, but uh, it, it doesn't seem to really get anywhere. So uh, you mentioned that uh, this, is, this is all happening because Richard Nixon wanted to get reelected in 1972. He ended up winning, I think, 49 states um, in 72, um, and he was going to win without doing that. Because he was, it was just obvious that everybody knew. So, specifically, again, what was it that a president was able to do that created the 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 process that caused the dollar to devalue eighty six percent in fifty years? Uh, exactly. We used to have a stable value policy in the United States. We just kept the dollar linked to gold. And we didn't try to monkey around with the economy very much. We didn't say, you know, well, unemployment is this, so we got to do that. Or all this stuff the central bankers talk about incessantly, ideally, we, we kind of violated that principle, but ideally, no, you don't do that. You just keep the value of the currency stable. And if you want to help the economy, you do something on the fiscal side, you lower taxes or whatever you do. Um, but the idea that you could monkey around with the economy by monkeying around the currency became uh, popular during that time partially because they didn't have any bad experiences yet. They hadn't really tried it yet. And specifically what happened is in 1970, the guy who had, was at the Fed and had kept the dollar stable, uh, Bill Martin, uh, his, end of his term came to an end and Nixon was president. And he said, well, let's get my buddy Arthur Burns, who had uh, assisted him in the 1964 election, and we'll put him in at the Fed. And Burns has all these great ideas. And there was a recession at the time, a little, little recession in 69 and 70. And Burns, you know, he brought interest rates down and he increased the money supply. And guess what worked? There was a, there was a big 
economic recovery in 1972 uh, because the dollar, in part because the dollar lost a lot of value. Uh, and so this is kind of like this inflationary boost. Uh, but the problem is then they had then they had the consequences, and the consequences were 1973 in the short term, outburst of inflation. Uh, and in the long term, here we are, right? Still playing the same old games, still you know, <laughs> still playing the same stupid games, still winning the same stupid prizes. Came out of COVID, uh, the economy did come back, the stock market did come back, and now we're now we're getting the now we're getting the stupid prizes portion of the of the series well, i remember uh, gerald ford wearing a, a pin that said win whip inflation now it stood for um what did ronald reagan do or did he was it ronald reagan who did something to at least temporarily reverse the inflation issue well ronald reagan was not the head of the fed mm-hmm. but he did support the idea of maintaining a strong dollar, stable currency value, not trying to fix all the problems in the economy by money creation. You lower taxes, right? You fix the economy some other way. Uh, and Paul Volcker was actually appointed by, Volk, uh, by Carter in 1979, but Paul Volcker, reacting to the needs of the time, was able to stabilize, stabilize the dollar's value, keep it from falling in any further. And part, part of the reason he was able to do that because Reagan was backing him. And we got 20 good years out of it. We got 20 years in the 80s and 90s when the dollar was more or less stable. Price of oil was more or less 20 bucks through those through those 20 years, 20 bucks a barrel. Uh, and it was big recovery. And unfortunately, uh, the reason why oil companies were doing fine at 20 bucks in the 90s and could would be go out of business at 20 dollar a barrel oil today is because the dollar is worth substantially less again than it was worth during that era. So we have. Uh, <laughs> Do we have a guy at the Federal Reserve or a person at the Federal Reserve that can – it sounds like we have a, a someone who's in a position of picking up the phone and saying, you know, hey, print me a couple of trillion dollars, will you? And, and that's all well, you need is, to do? This is kind of what we've been doing recently, and I think there is a substantial risk. I mean, the, the Federal Reserve created a lot of money, actually created three, about $3 trillion uh, in, in 2020 and – it wasn't kind of a direct connection, but effectively financed a very large government deficit. And they kind of realized they went overboard. They kind of, you know, right now, they, in, in later 2020 and 2021, the Fed kind of said, okay, 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 we're going we're gonna to cut that out. Uh, but the question, but now the political system, in my opinion, is kind of addicted to this. Uh, and if we have, and it's very easy to say, oh, we're going to fight inflation when the economy is doing okay and inflation is 8%. Oh, okay, you're going to fight inflation, okay. Uh, but when you have, if we have another downturn, if we have another recession, which may be happening right now, what's going to happen then? Well, I, we've, I've seen this movie before, right? Aren't we going to have another round of easy central bank policy? Aren't we going to have another round of very aggressive fiscal spending from Congress? And aren't we going to have a lot of pressure on the Federal Reserve or central banks around the world, actually? We're all kind of playing the same game to once again finance this uh, with more or less money creation, the so-called printing press. Wow. So we're talking to Nathan Lewis. He's a co-author, uh, along with Elizabeth Ames and Steve Forbes, of a book called Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. Fix it. Now, uh, Nathan, you've written a lot about gold, including a book called The Magic Formula, The Timeless Secret to Economic Health and Prosperity, Gold. Is gold still the magic formula? Well, the magic formula is low taxes and stable money. It's real easy to understand. It's only, so it's only four words that politicians so that politicians can understand it, and, and this is straight out of Reagan playbook. Low taxes. Well, it's hard to have a healthy economy with high taxes. We know that. Uh, and stable money. Just look around the world. All the current, all the countries with the most unstable currencies have the worst economies. Right? So don't do that. That's basically what it means. And this was how America got rich. We had the lowest taxes in the world, especially in the 19th century, uh, and even in the 20th. Uh, and we had the state, we had the most reliable currency. We were one of the very few countries that made it through the whole period, you know, World War One and World War Two and all that stuff, still on the gold standard until 1971 in Nixon. Um, and so it's important for Americans to realize that is the magic formula that made America the wealthiest country in the history of the world. 
the wealth, most prosperous middle class in the history of the world. And our deviation from that, which we're talking about right now, this is not stable money. Uh, and taxes seem to be going higher with the Biden crew. Uh, so, our deviation from that plan is why things aren't getting very good here. We're having problems. So how do you get back to it? I mean, is it, how do you put it back in the bottle? Uh, the, the, what do you do to make gold the standard again? And what, how, how long does that process take? Well, you know, politically, it, it's not obvious that, that uh, we're going to get there very easily. Uh, but I would say there's basically two elements. Uh, one is to have the idea in your head. The thing that made the American Revolution so great, as opposed to just some one strong man overthrowing another strong man, is that we had this idea of limited government and, and constitution and all this stuff, which we were able to implement at the right time. Uh, so you have to have the right idea in your head. And the, I say the right idea is the magic formula. Just remember that. Read the book if you like, or just remember the four words. <laughs> and then you need the political, or then you need the political opportunity, and that does come along. In, 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 in monetary affairs, it typically comes along when the existing system goes up in flames, <laughs> and that that does happen fairly regularly. And when that and it has happened in U.S. history, we had hyperinflation in the 1780s, and we came out of that and had a really reliable currency. Hey Nathan, and, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a, I got about 30 seconds or so left. I wanted to ask you this before I got you off the air. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, based Go on, uh, uh, would you advise people to buy gold right now? Uh, when currencies lose value, we have floating fiat currencies, they lose value. Uh, when they hap- when that happens, and I can't say if it will, but I think it's pretty likely, gold tends to be the, the best performing asset. It's the one thing in the, in the investment universe that does not decline in value. So, it doesn't go up either, but it doesn't go down. Should I take that as a yes? Historically, it's been an extremely reliable way to get through uh, a monetary inflation event relatively unscathed. Hey, Nathan, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Nathan Lewis. Uh, He's co-author of the book, Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. I'll be right back. your family's old film reels, videotapes, and photos? Are they sitting in dusty shoeboxes and neglected bins at risk of completely fading away? Digitizing your aging media with Legacy Box is the safe and easy way to preserve and pass down your family's legacy. Simply send your Legacy Box kit filled with old home movies and pictures. Legacy Box does the rest, converting your moments to DVD or digital. Legacy Box has been trusted by over 1 million families and has over 10,000 five-star reviews. Be your family's hero. Unlock the memories trapped on VHS, camcorder tapes, and 8mm reels. Experience the joy and excitement of rewatching your wedding day, baby's first steps, and Christmas mornings. Feel relief knowing all those cherished moments are safe from fires and water damage. The Legacy Box Father's Day event is happening now. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 50%. Legacy Box is great for your family or as a gift for dad. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX for 50% off. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3390 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3390. Enjoy! This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. 
It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Now, if you missed our first segment, I had Amy uh, Swearer on, and she's from the um, the Heritage Foundation, and I think she's really, really good on the Second Amendment, and that's why I had her on. But actually what caught my attention and got me to want to call her to have her on today was something I saw over the weekend. She went through the 2022 school shooting data. You've heard about all the school shootings? And so she and she ran down some examples of things that qualify as a school shooting. And this is, you know, they, the media would like to have you believe that this happens every other day and that this, things like what happened in Texas. Here's a couple of them here. An adult couple met with strangers to buy a car at an elementary school parking lot at midnight. The sellers tried to rob them. One woman was shot in the shoulder and injured. That's a school shooting. 27-year-old man was found fatally shot in his car behind a school building on a Sunday. A 20-year-old was found fatally shot behind a school building at 1 a.m. Another man was fatally shot in a school parking lot at 6.40 a.m. on a Sunday. All three of those listed as school shootings. After a high school graduation ceremony on publicly accessible tennis courts belonging to a local college, one teenager shot two other teenagers, one fatally, and fled. A school shooting. A teenager shot another teenager on an elementary school's property on a Sunday. That's a school shooting. There is literally one where an armed... This is Amy saying this. There is literally one where an armed woman chased her ex-boyfriend out of the apartment, is confronted by officers near a daycare center, and fatally shot. And the press release literally says the daycare center was not involved and was never in harm's way. That was a school shooting. So when you hear about all the school shootings, just remember... Every one of those things I just mentioned, and there are many more, all qualified. It's insanity, it's dishonest, and it's dumb. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.